Well, good evening, church. It is great to see you tonight on this special night where we set aside time to focus on Sunrise Children's uh, Services, and it is a, a treat. It's a joy to have Brian Shannon with us tonight. Uh, Brian, Brian certainly doesn't need much of an introduction for many of you all. Uh, Brian's father, Rick, uh, was pastor here at Second Baptist. Brother Rick was here, I think, from 1984 to 1993. And uh, Brian, how, how old, when you all arrived here, do you remember about, about what age you were? Six, sixth grade. So you all saw him kind of grow up a little bit up through uh, middle school and high school. So we're going to, we're going to, what's that? Right, right. Well, I, well we, I thought this would be kind of fun. I thought we might open up with stories about Brian, you remember, tonight. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we're, we're not going to do that. But he turned out pretty well, didn't he? Huh? He did, he did pretty good. Amen. Uh, but yes, brother, his father, Brother Rick, and his mother, Linda, ministered here from 1984 to 1993, uh, had just an incredible, incredible ministry here, and uh, just here, I, I, I know Brother Rick a little, a little bit, got to know him a little bit, but just hear incredible things about him, and uh, we just love your family, Brian, and it's so great to have you back with us tonight. Uh, Brian has one of his kids with him, Luke is with him, so everybody say hello to Luke there, Luke's traveling with him tonight, Amen. <clears throat> But uh, anyway, uh, uh, Brian has been uh, ministering with uh, Sunrise Children's Services uh, now from 2005 to 2012, and then he came back in 2017, and he's the Director of Advancement for the Sunrise uh, Southern Region uh, in Somerset, Kentucky there. So uh, the the Southern Region, he he is working to advance uh, the ministry of Sunrise there. And uh, he uh, is married to uh, his bride, Kelly, from Pike County. They uh, just celebrated 21 years of marriage, and so that's, uh, that's exciting. She's an RN at Southern Middle School. They have three children, Drew, who's 18, Luke, uh, 14, and Samantha, who is uh, 11 years old. But just uh, love this guy. I appreciate him and his family and what he does on the front lines, leading us to care for children who are in at-risk situations, uh, helping to provide foster care for them or a, a permanent home for them, but uh, just working and ministering to, to children who, who need a home and uh, who need a mom and dad. And so we appreciate uh, so much what, uh, what, what Brian does. Um, one of the things that I'm thankful that we're able to do as a church to pour into the ministry of Sunrise um, is something that uh, was, was brought about while uh, Brian's father, Brother Rick, was here. And that's our mission vision ministry, where when you give to, to mission vision, there's a breakdown of those funds. Some of those funds, go they go to various Southern Baptist ministries. Uh, some uh, goes to the International Mission Board, uh, Lottie Moon, some of it goes towards Annie Armstrong, some of it to Eliza Broadus, I think our state mission, some of it goes to Sunrise. So 8% of what you give through Mission Vision goes to Sunrise Ministry, and last year that amounted to more than $4,000 that went to care for children in our state. So let's give God thanks and praise for uh, that offering. Uh, appreciate the generous heart of Second Baptist, how much you uh, love God and you love people and are willing to, to give to those who are less fortunate. God has certainly 
blessed us so that we can be a blessing. And we look forward to hearing more about Sunrise Ministry tonight, uh, more ways that we can partner with them and pray for them and just hear what God is doing at Sunrise. So at this time, uh, I'm going to turn it over to Brian. Brian, you come share with us. And once again, welcome Brian back here to Second Baptist. Well, it is good to be home, and I call this home. So it's good to be here, even though I have been gone longer than the years I was alive when I was here. Um, so um, it's, just, it's just unique to be home and, and, and see so many friendly faces and stuff. And, and, and uh, many of you know that um, I knew Brian Schindler was in my dad's church at First Baptist Pikeville. So I've known Brian for, for many years. Some of you may not know that I knew Kevin from Somerset when he was at Beacon Hill. And Benny called me because he called Dad and said, we've got these names. Do you know these folks? And Dad said, well, Brian might know the guy from Somerset. Give him a call. So Benny called me and said, do you know of Kevin Milburn? I said, I do. He said, what do you know of him? And can you recommend him as a pastor? And I said, well, he loves the Lord. I know that for a fact. And I said, but here's the big thing. I've played church league basketball with him in basketball on Sunday nights at his own church. And I never saw him lose his temper. So if any man can do that, then that's the man you need to call. So, it's good to see you again, Kevin. Appreciate it. Um, and before I get started, I do want to say thank you for your giving through Mission Vision. Um, and Kevin, if you come back for just a second. Um, my, my counterpart, Jack Henshaw, is here. When, when we arranged to, uh, to, to have me come, Jack was not on, on board with us just yet. Jack lives in Murray, and he kind of covers this area um, of the western region. And your giving was in the top ten of giving uh, in this region to Sunrise. And so I just had him... Want to give a small plaque and appreciation for y'all's giving. Come here, Luke. Yeah, now give your best sign. All right, Luke. Let's. Yeah, there you go. You can do it. Come on. Okay. It's just a picture. He said. It's just a picture. Good job. All right, so, you know, Dad did start, was a part of the group here that started Mission Vision. And I'll give you an update on Dad. Dad is doing fantastic. Excuse me, because he was not doing fantastic at one point. But God has done a miracle in him. He's, um, he's back to preaching. And um, there's times when he was sick. He's never quit preaching. I apologize. You know, you know how parents are for you, uh, and, and that, that emotional is. But he was—he's doing so much better. He's gained weight the last couple months. Uh, he got down to 135, which is small for him, even though he's a little guy. But he's doing fantastic. He's out beating the bushes. He called me this morning on the way up here, and he said, "Hey, our church just raised seventy-seven hundred dollars last night for different mission organizations. We had a record Sunday morning uh, this Sunday morning at church, so you know he was fired up." And he was excited for that. He's at a small church in Pulaski County, so I appreciate that. But he did start Mission Vision, and Dad has always been one of those who has been able to see something ahead of time and go out and, and figure it out and, and see something and have that vision to see something come to fruition. An example of that for me is when I was living, when we moved to Pikeville, we had been there. This is maybe the, the first full year we'd been there. There was a humongous snowstorm, and Brian made me remember this. It snowed for 24 hours straight. And in that time, we were expected to get 20-plus inches of snow, which we got. And so it had been snowing probably 12 hours. And Dad said, hey, 
let's go shovel the driveway. And I said, are you kidding me? It's going to keep snowing. And, and nope, come do it. So I said, all right. We had eight or nine inches already. We started at the front of the driveway, went all the way down to the end of the driveway and, and, and got done. And uh, I, I, as a 20-year-old, sarcastically said, well, should we start back over? Because there was already two inches there. He said, nope, we're good. Next morning was Sunday. And his rule is and always has been, if I can get to the church, we're having church. So that morning, we were the only ones without a 4 by 4 who could get out of our driveway because where everyone else had 23, 24 inches of snow, we had about 9. And so he saw ahead of time, I can do this because I'm going to church in the morning. So that's just the kind of person he is, and he's back to being that. So, but, I, but I appreciate your all's prayers. I know you've been praying for him and, and those things. But I'm here to talk about Sunrise, and many of you may know of Sunrise as our former name of Kentucky Baptist Home for Children. I don't know if you know this or not, but next year is our 150th anniversary of Sunrise. It's 150 years of taking care of orphan children across the state of Kentucky. We got started in 1869 when a group of ladies from Walnut Street Baptist Church who got together and said, you know what, there's an awful lot of orphans living on the street right now. It was post-Civil War, so we had some from that. Some sickness had gone through Louisville and had ravaged the city, and, 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 and so there was a lot of kids living on the streets were no, nowhere to go. And so they, they said, you know, in James chapter 1, verse 27, it says, take care of the or- orphans and widows. We can take care of the orphans. Let's do it. So here we are, 150 years later, still continuing their mission of taking care of those kids who have been orphaned for whatever reason. They, they said, we're going to offer hope and healing through Christ-based services. There was no health and family services at the time. There was no social services to come along and take the kids. There was none of that. God's people just got together and rallied and did that. And he has blessed us for 150 years to keep our ministry up and going. And so while our mission is still the same to add hope and healing to these kids through Christ-based services, the way we do it has changed dramatically over the 150 years. We were at one time a true orphanage. We, were, we had an orphanage where you could come up and say, I want to adopt some kids, and you filled out some paperwork, and you took a kid home. Uh, much simpler time. But now the needs of the kids is drastically changed. There are no true orphanages anymore in that sense. And so we take care of kids through a, a variety of different ways, through residential services, through foster care. We offer, also do some um, family-based services and through some independent living as well. So what does the residential services look like? The residential services, when I was a kid, before we moved to, to, to Muhlenberg County, there was Glendale was right outside of E-Town. Some of you may remember that name. And, and that was just kind of a home for kids, much like an orphanage, but, but, but not quite. But there was a den parent, and they had 12 or 15 kids, and they were there for whatever reason. Mom and dad may or may not still be around. And they just kind of they ran a farm, and they did some things like that. And, and they, they would take their stuff to the state fair, and they would show it all off. And it was just a wonderful time and experience. And they would, if you remember Mike Brady, um, he had a young lady by the name of Nan who would come uh, and spend the summers with us. And, and it, was a, it was one where he kind of adopted her during the, during the fall and, or during fall breaks and those kind of things in the summer, and she would come and stay. That's not what we can do anymore. The kids that we serve now have been through some horrific things of, of abuse and neglect. The state rates the kids on a level of one through five. We're therapeutic residential services and therapeutic foster care services that take care of three, fours, and fives. In residential services, they're all primarily fives, meaning they've been through some of the more rougher things that you may read in the paper, some of the more severe neglect and abuse. And we keep them there, and we do intensive therapy with them. We do um, all their schooling is taken care of, 
on site. Uh, each location has the local county school that comes in and does the schooling for them. Um, and so what we do is it's a very intense program. It usually lasts about half a year and a half to two years, and they graduate out. And typically when they leave us, they go into foster care because mom and dad have lost their parental rights. There is an occasion where they may finish this, the, the program and go live with an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent or rarely that they can go back to live with a, with, a, with a parent. But typically they go into foster care. And so they still are orphans in a sense. They're just what we call living orphans. Their parents are still around. They know who their parents are. In some cases they had some type of contact with their parents, which makes it a little bit harder for us to, to, to do some of our therapeutic things with them. So we do that with six different residential services across the state. We have one in Danville, one in Moorhead, two in E-Town, one in Mount Washington, and one right outside of Somerset where I live. And so that's how we take care of kids on, on a higher level. The next level would be foster care. We have 12 foster care offices across the state, and each one of those foster care offices caters to its, in each area, caters to more of a, a specific need. We have some areas that do really well with teenagers and some areas that do really well with the youngsters. But all of them are, are been through some um, more severe cases because, again, they're on that leveling system of one through five, and they're threes or above. And it's therapeutic foster care that, that we offer a home for them, um, and, and we, we try to bring some sense of normalcy to them to see what a regular home life should be because we want to train them to be what a new normal is. Because each one of these kids, whether they realize it or not, they're in a cycle of abuse and neglect. It's a cycle that says 80% of those who abused and neglected go on to be abusers and neglected themselves unless someone steps in and makes a change in their lives or something breaks. And so that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to break that cycle of abuse and neglect that they're in. Those are the two primary ways we take care of the kids. And I would like to tell you I, could, I would go out of business tomorrow, but sadly, the state of Kentucky is at an all-time high for kids who are in out-of-home care. Just this past, first of this month, we passed 9,900 kids who are in out-of-home care right now in the state of Kentucky. That's the ones that the state is aware of. That doesn't take into account a kid who may be living with a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, a neighbor, just to be safe. This time last year, we had 8,600 kids who were in out-of-home care. We've averaged a little over 100 a month in the past year. That's a huge problem in the state of Kentucky. Absolutely devastating. Especially when you factor in this statistic. 42 cases of abuse and neglect are substantiated every single day in the state of Kentucky. 42 cases. Now, obviously, not all of those will require the child to be removed from the home, but some of them are very severe enough that they need to be, but we don't have homes or places to put them. It's a dire need for foster care right now in the state of Kentucky. It's a huge problem. I can stand up here and say one thing for sure that I know that our governor has done right without being political. is He's made it easier for parents to, to go through adoption, through foster to adopt. and made it easier for kids to be placed in homes where people want to take care of them. You know, the fascinating thing that I've learned in this over the years of working with this population is that no matter how horrific the situation, do you know what the kids want to do? They want to go home. You get a kid who's been severely beaten and left underneath a porch to survive like we've seen in the past. He wants to go home. Why would you want to go home? Because that's what they've grown up in, and that's their normal. And that's why you, you can see where it's so hard to break that cycle of abuse and neglect, because that's their normal. 
just about a month ago, there was a lady in our office who said, why are, why are you all trying to take my children away from me? And we tried to explain to her what was, what was wrong. And she said, that's what happened with me. Where were you for me? The state worker had a great answer. She said, we failed you. you we failed you. And you know, with the number rising so much, people ask me from time to time, why do you think it's so much all of a sudden? Obviously, there's a huge drug problem in the state of Kentucky. And that, 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 that plays into it because 99.9% .9 of all the kids we have, there is some type of addiction at the root of the problem that the kids that we have. But do you know what I really think is the reason why we're seeing more? Is because 20 years ago, if you saw a kid who was being disciplined, as some people would call it, you would say, that's their business. Now, people are starting to say, that's not right. And they're starting to take the stand for these kids. And the problem with that is, again, we need places for them. And it's great to get them out of those homes. And it's great for them to be safe. But we've got to have places for them to go. And so that's one of our biggest needs is foster care right now. So one of my challenges to you is to think about if you can open up your home to be a foster parents. And what a great opportunity it would be if one or two couples in the church would say, we can do that. And it becomes an in church missions opportunity for the church to rally around you with different types of support and prayer and Sunday school teachings and those kind of things and being able to share the gospel with these kids because that we know as Christians is where they're going to find the true hope and healing is through the word of Jesus Christ and that's our mission is to, to share that word with each one every one of those kids so we do it through residential we do it through foster care we also have an independent living program which is probably one of my favorite things because when a kid turns 18, guess what happens? The state says, congratulations, kid. Go figure it out. As good a home as I had. My dad had said, go figure it out. I'm not sure what I would have done. So imagine being the victim of abuse and neglect and living tossed and turned in foster care or residential and the state saying, congratulations, kid. Go figure it out. Well, at Sunrise, we've, we've, we've taken a, a, a state-sponsored program and, and turned it into a thing called Venture On, which is an independent living program, which is fantastic for these kids. Kids says in that, that situation that turns 18, if they will re-up with us, kind of, sort of, they can stay with us for another four years. We'll put them in, a, we'll put them in an apartment, a single-bedroom apartment. They can't have anybody live with them. And their only requirements are one of two things. They either have to get a job, or they get, have to go to school. If they go to a state school, they're part of the, school, the state's system, they get their schooling for free. We encourage that they do both. Get a part-time job, take some college hours. Let's help you figure out what direction you need to go, whether it's schooling or it needs to be in the workforce or combination thereof. They can stay with us for four years, and at the end of the four years, we hope they have an associate's degree, maybe even a college degree, or certainly a, a lot of work experience. And at, that, at the end of that four years, their options are they can take on the lease of where they're at, or they can take everything in it as a startup and go start where they want. Now, when you sit there and think of it as adults, we think, man, that is a great opportunity, and it is. And 96% of those kids who enter our program complete that program, and it's a huge step up for them. But the problem is getting them in that program, and that's, where, that's one of our challenges. We only have around 30 to 35% of the kids go into that program because... They're 18, they're hard-headed, I've got one, I know. But they're 18, they're hard-headed, and they've had a hard life. And they think, man, I can now save for myself what I want to do. 
I'm not going to have anybody tell me what to do anymore. How hard it is to break that cycle. But that's what we pray for each and every day at sunrise is to break that cycle. And when we break that cycle, we're seeing some tremendous success from those kids. And so we strive each and every day to, 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 to add the hope and healing, to help them with education, because each one of the kids that comes to us is a year and a half at minimum behind in their schooling. So we have a huge task of getting them up to their grade level before they leave our residential and go into foster care or vice versa. One of our, one of our programs in Danville last year had moved every one of the kids to a grade above where they should be in a year, which is fantastic. 27 kids, isolated therapy, in uh, the school system working with them, us working with them as well, getting them to the point to where they should be above where they should be. That's huge. That's what we strive to do. One of the other things we do is we do, um, we do some uh, family-based services of, of therapy in those, in, in, for individuals, um, of kids by themselves, for kids and the parents. It's kind of a proactive way to keep kids in the home before they're taken away. And, and so those are, the, those are the main things that we do at Sunrise. And our census as of Friday was 1,366. 1,366 people that we're taking care of in one way or another. But again, that's a small fraction of the 9,900 that are in out-of-home care today. So we need your prayers and we need, we need, we need um, your support through foster care and those kind of things. I could tell you a lot of different really horrific stories to try to convince you of the need. But let me tell you, I look in Galatians in chapter 6 where it says, Do not grow weary of doing good because in a due time you will reach a harvest if you do not lose heart. So let me talk about the harvest that we see at sunrise, the positive things that we see at sunrise, because that's the true measure in my mind of what we do each and every day. Some of the harvest is last year we had 24 kids either graduate or get their GED with us. 24 kids, some of them living on the streets by the time they're 10 years old. Some of them living in some horrific places, coming to us a minimum of a year and a half to two years behind their schooling, able to get their high school diploma or or GED equivalent. We had about six of those go on to college, which is huge. They went into the independent living program. That's, That's part of the harvest. That's making a difference. Another part of the harvest is we surpassed 400 kids in our foster to adopt program we started seven years ago. 400 kids who have now got a new forever home of, of, of love and care. That is part of the harvest. The true measure of the harvest? 56 kids said, I believe in Jesus Christ. That's the harvest. That's what we started 150 years ago. To add that hope and healing through Christ-based ministries. To see lives changed. That's what we strive each and every day. Every single one of the kids that are with us have the opportunity to go to Bible studies, to have different church groups come in and, 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 and minister to them and share with them. And what is fascinating is when, when they're offered, they get free time or they can go to hear the, the, uh, 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 be with a church group. Free time to do whatever they want, which is rare for them in, the, in residential life because they're, they're, they have such a structured program to keep them busy all the time. And so a couple times they'll be like, nah, I don't want to go to that church thing. But eventually, they all go, and they all hear, and they all become active and a part of it. So much so that one of the guys that does it show me in his wallet a list of prayer needs that every one of the kids writes out for him each week, and he keeps them in his wallet and prays for them. 
These kids are starting to hear. They're starting to learn. They're starting to want. They're starting to see the hope and healing that we offer. And that is what you're helping to support through your mission vision, through your prayers. And I just thank you so much for all that you're able to do through that because it is making a difference. It is impacting these kids' lives. And we've got to do something to, to turn back that number of that 9,900. So my challenge again to you is pray about what you can do for Sunrise. You know, thinking back to Dad, you know, we didn't have a 4x4 truck. He's never had a truck in his life. We didn't have anything like that. We didn't have anything that could go out and plow the snow or anything like that. But you know what we had? We had a shovel. We had a little bit of shovel that could get that snow out of the way and do just a little bit, do just enough. It was a part of what, what we, he could do. We sometimes get caught up in the fact of, Brian, I'd like to help you out, but I don't have the big bucks or the much time or I can't do all this big stuff to help you out. It doesn't take a whole lot. It takes being able to realize what you can do and what you have that can make a difference when we all come together. And that's exactly what you do with Mission Vision. And I thank you for that and thank you for the years that you've continued to do that. I brought with me um, a thing it's back there at the back table, 10 ways that you can help Sunrise. And there's 10 easy ways of, of doing different things to help us out. You can be a monthly giver. You could be a prayer warrior for us. One of the things that I love and I get a lot because I think, I, I think very highly of it is, and I encourage, as a Sunday school group, sit down and take time to write out your favorite verse and in some encouraging words and put it in a card. Give it to us. We'll take it to these kids either in foster care or and or in re residential. It doesn't sound like a lot, but they don't know Doris Jones from Second Baptist Greenville, but Doris Jones from Second Baptist Greenville said, and I love you to you. They'll put it on their wall. That's what it takes. It's, it's, it's something as simple as that. So pray about what you can do for Sunrise. Now, I, I, could, I could keep talking forever. I really could. But I will, I'll open it up if you have any questions more specific about what our ministry does or what we do each and every day. I didn't do that good of a job. Nothing. Well, again, it's, it's an honor to be here. Glad to be home. Thank you so much for all that you've done for us in the past. And um, covet your prayers. Thank you. Brian, thank you so much for coming this way and sharing with us tonight. There's a passage of scripture that Brian referenced in, uh, in his talk tonight. It's James chapter 1, uh, verse 27. James is a, uh, it's kind of a bare-knuckled, hard-hitting book where James really challenges us uh, to not just talk a good game, but to, to, to live out our faith in Christ. And uh, he says in James chapter 1, in verse 27, that religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep, to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Um, I thought to myself that uh, the, the church, the, the church across North America must rise up and recognize the great need that our children are in and step to the plate and, and love them in Jesus' name and provide care for them. 9,900 children, that's a lot of children. But there are many more than 9,900 churches in the state of Kentucky. And what if somehow every church would just say, our, our goal is for one of, just one of our families 
is going to be a, a, foster, a foster parent or we're going to adopt a child. You can see how the church and uh, Jesus could pr- provide the church as the answer to caring for uh, the children across our state if just one family in every church would rise up and say, I'll, I'll be that person that God's speaking to and uh, provide for a, a child that is in need. Um, I want to encourage you to pray for revival across our state and across the land. What I see uh, with, with darkness increasing across our land, and it breaks my heart to say this, and I sure hope I'm wrong, without a great revival across our nation, those numbers are going to get worse and worse every year, not just in Kentucky, but all across our nation. Uh, addictions rising. And when parents are addicted, uh, unfortunately, they're not able to care for those that they should love the most. And so we need revival uh, all across our state, all across our nation. And that's one of the things that I want us to pray for tonight. Uh, pray for revival. I you to pray for Sunrise uh, Children's Services. Put them on your daily prayer list. Pray for them. Uh, get, continue to give to them through Mission Vision. Uh, you may want to give on a monthly basis. Brian has a table set up in the back tonight uh, where there's more information if you want to be a regular contributor to Sunrise. Uh, Sunday school classes, consider uh, what you might do as, as a class uh, to, to minister. Brian gave some ideas tonight. Consider what you might do uh, to minister to Sunrise, uh, to, to, to care for kids that are, that are in need. Um, it's heartbreaking. It's hard, hard, hard to imagine that many children uh, who are at risk and who are neglected. And it, uh, as, as a father of four, uh, it breaks my heart, and I just simply I, I can't understand it except for to say that uh, when people are not where they need to be with Jesus, uh, they negatively affect everybody around them. And so we need revival. And uh, my prayer is that it would start right here, that it would start with me, uh, that it would start with us. And tonight as we... Stand and sing our song of invitation. I know mostly home folk here tonight, but would you do this as we stand, as Brother Brian comes, as we stand and as we sing. Um, as, as you sing, would you prayerfully say, Lord, speak to me. Lord, speak to me. Uh, you brought me out tonight. I'm here. I've heard the need. H- how do you want me? What, what would you have me to do in light of being here tonight and, and what I've heard? Just listen to the Holy Spirit as you sing, uh, as you worship. Just listen to the Holy Spirit as you leave here tonight, as you start your week. Listen to the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, send me. What, what, what is it you want me to do? What is the next step you'd have me to take? Um, he, here I am, Lord, send me. Uh, let's stand tonight. Let's sing our song of invitation. And as we do, listen to the Lord as he speaks. <laughs>